Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. morning teachers you're listening to episode number 37 last week we talked all about utilizing stations in your classroom so whether you're new to teaching or you're looking for ways to easily differentiate be sure to check out that episode you can do that by going to maneuveringthemiddle.com episode 26 today we are going to be talking about another popular topic specific to those middle school math teachers out there and that is the use of math manipulatives I'll break down why you should use them if you aren't already, which ones are very valuable to have in middle school, and then those other manipulatives, which I consider a nice to have, you know, something that you can build up over time when you get a little bit of that math budget. So let's do it. Now, unless you have been taught with math manipulatives, like you are the student in the class and the teacher is using them, then they may seem a little foreign or a little extra. And I mean extra work, extra classroom management, and extra time. And those are all true. But once you see and really experience how students are able to make those connections from the manipulative to the abstract, then you'll know it's worth all that extra effort. Now, this is one of the best ways to introduce mathematical concepts. And if you aren't familiar, there's what we call the CRA model. It stands for Concrete Representation Abstract. And it's a process in which students move along that continuum from concrete to abstract. And I'll go ahead and link a blog post about it in the show notes. Now, let's take the example of solving equations, which is a very important middle school concept, right? Students use algebra tiles, those little physical rectangles and squares, to demonstrate their concrete understanding of the math they're solving. They're actually physically moving the manipulatives from both sides of the equation, and they're internalizing that equations must remain balanced. It's that conceptual understanding that is happening. Eventually, they move to representational, where they're sketching those little algebra tiles, and then they'll move to an abstract understanding of solving equations, where they're able to see those more complex equations and find x, the variable, the missing number. But when we introduce it with the hands-on math manipulative, it makes it a little bit more easy to, or a little bit easier to internalize, and again, more concrete for learners. So again, by providing the opportunity to concretely work with the manipulatives, we are helping students to understand this in a conceptual way rather than staying at a procedural way. Now, we've developed this foundation for why manipulatives are great and useful, but let's talk about which manipulatives you should have in your classroom as well as some budget solutions for you. Okay, so let's go ahead and discuss our must-have math manipulatives for middle school teachers. Gosh, that alliteration, right? Now, all of these links are going to be at 
com slash episode 37. So if you're multitasking or you're driving, don't worry about it. They will all be there. First up, I want to discuss two color counters. Now, these are amazing for teaching integer operations, and that's what they're intended to be used for. But there's also a few other secondary ways you can use them. Now, those two color counters are those red and yellow circles. They're about the size of a quarter. And they, if you get the right brand, they are foam, which is quieter and just easier to use in the classroom. Now, these again are used primarily for integer operations. And so students who, when you're introducing them, it is so important for them to actually understand the concept of a zero pair and what's happening and really conceptually see that. And those counters are the perfect way to do this. Now, they also can be used in probability experiments. So similar to a quarter and um, rather than heads and tails, you can have a red and yellow. And that is perfect because it's cleaner, it's easier, you don't have to collect a lot of quarters and students are still getting to use them hands-on. They also stack really nicely because they're round to model the volume of a cylinder. So that's another option. And then lastly, if you're responsible for teaching dot plots, they actually make a perfect little dot for a dot plot. So those are all awesome options for using those two color counters. Next up, which also applies to teaching integer operations, are student number lines. So number lines that continue from a negative 20 to a positive 20 are super nice to have. It's nice if you can have one up at the top of your board or at the front of your classroom, but a student-sized one is awesome too. We have a freebie that you can download by just going to the maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 37, and we'll link it there, but it's just a printable vertical number line, which is super nice. You can hole punch them and put them in your students' binders, or you could laminate them and put them on their desk, though that is not my favorite because it gets a little yucky over time. But that is a budget solution. You can also purchase them and they are typically red and blue and they go from negative 20 to 20. And that just really helps students to understand what's happening as we introduce the concept of an integer. Thirdly, Another essential one that is just so pivotal for middle school math are algebra tiles. We use them for solving equations, especially even just starting with those one-step equations and working all the way to multiple-step equations. You can use them to introduce combining like terms, which I think is such an interesting concept for students and so abstract when we're just looking at variables and terms and all of those definitions. But when we put them to actual shapes and objects, it makes it a lot easier for students to conceptualize. You can also use them to teach properties of operations, like the distributive property, showing what it is and showing how it works. And then as you move on to Algebra 1, you can utilize them to teach, um, to work with polynomials and actually teaching multiplication and all of those different concepts because they work just like an area model um, with with algebra tiles. There are several different options for them. My favorite, again, are the foam ones because they are quiet, though they are not as durable as the plastic ones. So really think about if you want quiet or durability because it's hard to get both. 
Lastly, I love the 3D shapes that you can use as you move into geometry concepts. And there's a few different versions of this. I have both, and I really prefer the ones that have the net inside. So again, we'll link those this in the blog post, but they're 3D figures, they're small, they come in a set, and that my favorite ones have the nets inside. So whether you're teaching surface area or volume, you can not only show the actual image, but students are able to un, um, undo the net to actually see the net. And those are really helpful. So that is something important. Now, if you're on a budget and you don't have those sets available, then a few options are just really bringing some from home. So an oatmeal container, a cereal box, a Rubik's cube, any of those different things are really useful. And I like to bring those into class just so students can see how 3D figures are all around them. But if you have the budget for those small, uh, that small set, it's really useful for students to also see that conceptually so they can see all the faces, edges, vertices, and so on and so forth. So those were my favorite must-have math manipulatives for middle school math teachers. There are a few others that you might like to have around, and I'm going to consider these nice to have. Now, these are things that may be a little bit more expensive, or they may be things that are just hard to get for an entire class set. So here are some things that if you have a little bit of budget, you may consider building up over time, or you may just consider buying them. Um, in a small quantity and using them in a small group setting. So for example, fraction bars. Fraction bars can get real messy when there's a lot of students utilizing them and they are typically used in an elementary school classroom. So when you get to middle school, if students are still struggling with some of those fraction concepts, those are awesome things to have around. You may just not need an entire class set. Same with dice. Dice are awesome to be used in lots of different settings, but you probably don't need hundreds of dice, right? You may need a few dice um, with different side numbers, or sometimes I think they're called dice within dice, so that students can get different numbers. I have a set of fraction decimal percent dice, which are awesome just for fun games and conversions and just practicing some of those different things. So that's something that you don't necessarily need a class set of. Additionally, um, there's something called an XY coordinate pegboard, and these are really awesome if you're teaching slope or if you're responsible for that. They use little tiny rubber bands, and it's similar to a geo board, but it has an X and Y coordinate. Again, really nice to have, but not necessarily essential. There's something called an ang leg, excuse me, sounds kind of like a tongue twister. And this basically helps students to make triangles and understand angle relationships. And it keeps you from having to use string and different things like that. Again, a nice to have. And then something that is pretty important for teaching this one very specific concept, but may be hard to have an entire class set of, is a georeflector and patty paper. I think it's super important for teaching reflections, but it is kind of expensive to have a class set, and it's expensive um, when you're only using them for a small slice of the year. So that might be something worth having one per group so that your budget goes a little further there. So we've talked about all the very specific math manipulatives that I would recommend for your classroom, but I want to talk about some other 
quote-unquote manipulatives that are not necessarily math-specific, but are very much recommended for just providing variety and a more hands-on approach to your classroom. First off, dry erase whiteboards, the small personalized one, or a dry erase pocket and dry erase markers. I just think that when students are able to just pull out a whiteboard and pull out a marker, it just automatically brings that engagement up just a little bit versus a pencil and piece of paper. I love having a class set. And then you can even, if you buy those pockets, you can actually save on copies or you can put a white piece of paper in there and it kind of becomes that dry erase board. Plus, it's just a lot easier to assess in the classroom because students are working in a larger space. They're able to hold up their answers. They're able to hold up their work. And I just think that is such an easy, formative assessment that you can put your eyes on everyone's work rather quickly and efficiently versus a piece of paper and pencil. So that is an option for just extra practice or when students are working in groups or when you're wanting to really assess where they are with a specific skill. Secondly, colored cardstock and the small personal laminator. I know these are not free by any means and cardstock can get expensive, it adds up quickly. So that may be something worth asking your department for. But laminators are about $20, and then you can get a set of those sleeves um, for about another $20. And I just love that they provide a lot of convenience in my classroom. So I can print something and I can laminate it without having to walk down the hall and deal with the laminator or put in a request. And so I just think that is a convenience and a time saver for me as the teacher. But I also love laminating things that can be reused over and over again so that they last longer. And eventually it saves me time and energy um, going forward. Uh, a maneuvering the middle teacher of ours recently shared that they worked together as a team to print and laminate all of the activities. And that was amazing because now they have one large tub that they all work to share throughout the math department. And I think that is awesome because then when you go to plan, you already know that activity is prepped and ready to go and you can just move on to the next thing. And lastly, I can never get enough of sticky notes and butcher paper. And these are usually available in your workroom for free possibly or um, something that your campus may order for you. I just think it's so fun to provide um, butcher paper on a table and a worksheet and some markers. And it really, it's amazing to see what students do in that setting versus independently on a piece of paper by themselves. So I love the markers because everyone in the class, in the group can have a different color so you can see what they are contributing. Then I also love calling it graffiti because it just seems fun. And this is one of our most um, popular blog posts is how to just spice up your worksheet. And this really is just a fun way to do it. If you don't have the table space, you can also do this on the wall and students can work vertically instead of at a table. So that is another option. And then we have a blog post also on utilizing sticky notes. Um, and that is really fun because there are lots of different creative ways that we've come up with from classifying numbers to working with integer operations and order of operations. And it's always just a little more exciting when we're doing something different to just provide a little change of pace for our students and for us as we plan and uh, facilitate the learning. So we've talked about what the manipulatives are, some other helpful things to have in your classroom, and now let's just talk about budgeting and how to make this happen. 
So manipulatives are not cheap. When I looked up how much an entire class set of um, algebra tiles are, it's about $200, which is pretty pricey. And remember, when you need 30 plus um, sets or enough for 30 or more students, it can really add up. So a few suggestions to consider. First, always ask your department because sometimes that funding comes under a different school funding umbrella, if you will. And so you may actually have money for it that might not apply to other things. So my um, opinion is it always doesn't hurt to ask. Then purchase a set just for you or for your small group to really decide does, do I need all of these sets? Like, do I actually need 30 sets of algebra tiles or are 15 good enough because we can do work in partners? So that's something that may help you to decide how many you actually need. Next, you can always create an Amazon wishlist or um, to share with either your social network or parents. I think parents love if they're able to support things like that in the classroom. And as a parent, I love when something is very specific um, is requested so I don't have to really think about it. It's very easy for me to pick up a pack of cardstock the next time I'm at Target rather than um, having to go to a lot of trouble to find out what's needed. So that's super easy. And then donors choose is another option. And sometimes depending on what you're purchasing, they offer matching um, er matching grants and matching for specific requests. And then lastly, the other one is just to ask around. Sometimes, depending on how your department is organized, there actually might be manipulatives in someone's cabinet that they didn't even realize were there. Or if there's not a central location, you might not be aware of what manipulatives are in other classrooms. So that's just something to consider, especially if it's beyond grade levels. So you may not have fraction bars in your sixth and seventh grade math um, classroom, but potentially a fifth grade math teacher would have that. So it definitely doesn't hurt to ask. So as a quick recap, math manipulatives are awesome for helping students to conceptualize the math and move to those more abstract concepts. I shared my favorite ones as well as some nice to have supplies around your classroom to keep things hands on and engaging. Plus, we talked about a few different options for getting those funded from either your school or your community. Fall is here and weather is cooling off and I am thrilled. I hope that these episodes can help make your work a little more enjoyable and that you're able to take some of these ideas and make them work for you in your classroom. If you've been loving the podcast, then we would love a five-star review. It helps us to be found by other teachers, and you can do this in your favorite podcast player. For all the links, the resources, and the freebies mentioned today, you can check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 37. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week. Bye.